welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party with the official rundown of season 46 thoroughly reviewed. It's time for us to take a look at the sketches that didn't quite make the cut because they were either too long, too short, or too Kyle Mooney. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I am joined this week by co-hostess with the mostest, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy this full-length supporter-only version of this week's episode, and if you like what you see, you can find all of our unabridged, ad-free video coverage of Saturday Night Live exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar slash SNL Podcast. It's our supporters who make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing, Steve? Well, look who it is. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Long time no see. You uh, you wrapped up your school semester now? Uh, quite in the middle of it. While trying to oh. juggle my job in the newsroom for CBC. It's, uh, oh. it's been a busy time for me, but we're getting through it. Yeah. That's exciting, though. Congrats on that new gig you got going on. Yeah. It's weird. I got to be way more serious at that job. Well, that sounds very fun. Um, But today we have nine Cup for Time sketches to review. All of them are from the second half of the season. Uh, John and I actually covered the pre-Christmas ones already. Mm -hmm. And so we'll make sure to put a uh, link down in the description so you can check that out if you missed it. And we'll also uh, include links to all the sketches that we'll talk about today. Uh, but before we can get into these cut for time sketches, we have to talk about something very important. Do you know yes. what it is, Steve? Uh, something to do with uh, with red locks, I imagine. Something like that. Yeah, I want to tell you about a podcast, a very, very funny podcast called Ginger on Ginger. It's a free-flowing comedy podcast hosted by two of Montana's most award-winning redhead comedians. Each week, Jacob and Alex offer the ginger perspective on a new topic with an irreverence that would make Conan O'Brien blush. Occasionally joined by non-gingers such as upcoming guests and SNL alum Brooks Whelan. You'll want to tune in to hear Brooks rank his favorite national parks, hear Alex recount his many near-death outdoor experiences, and listen to Jacob serve up some spicy tea on all of the drama of his small-town home. You can subscribe to Ginger on Ginger on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You can also support them at patreon.com slash ginger on ginger, where you can get bonus episodes, online game nights, and set the topics for upcoming episodes. So check out Ginger on Ginger wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to bring your sunscreen. I'm definitely tuning in for the small town drama. Yes. That's that's the best cup of tea you could have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm tuning in for Brooks Whelan. That too. That'll be great. That sounds very fun. Now, what do you think? It says he's going to rank his na- favorite national parks. Do- what do you think his number one will be? Ooh, he seems like a Yosemite guy. Oh, yeah. I was going to go Yellowstone. Is that the same thing or are they different? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm pulling this right out of my arse right now. So <laughs> no follow-up questions, Google. please. Stay tuned, yes, folks. Yes, they are two different things and they are <laughs> 647 miles apart. Great radio. <laughs> Okay, with that out of the way, let's get into our cut for time sketches. Yeah. Up first, are you a man, but also someone who wants to look good? 
Try man stain. It's not makeup. <laughs> Steve, this one was cut from the Dan Levy episode. What'd you of think course. of it? It's a, uh, it's a good execution. Uh, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very well visited subject taking something that's a little less than masculine and applying that masculine marketing to it. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it from time to time. I, mm-hmm. I still like this one because, you know, Dan Levy's personality was perfect to uh, question the uh, the branding choices. And yeah, without Dan Levy, it might just be like, oh, this is another uh, uh, that one they did with The Rock, for example. I can't remember the product name. Uh, yeah, this one still wins for me because Dan was just a perfect touch onto it. And yeah, perfect for his uh, go around as host. Yeah, this one was fun. It's very much in the same universe as like GE Big Boys. Uh, yeah, this For isn't sure. like you like you said. This is not a a brand new idea, but it's still a fun one. I love anything that plays with like fragile masculinity. Uh, I have a good time with that. You know, right. making fun of those dudes a little bit. Uh, and I think they found some really great specifics here. Like, of course, the blush is going to be in a gun. The eyeshadow is pepperoni scented. <laughs> like, I think they, they did great thing in the props department. Really, really did a good job. I think the thing that I would have liked to have seen were some more varied reactions from Dan. Because it kind of stopped surprising me halfway through. Like, I wish he would have maybe just reacted in, in, a, in a different way. And I don't necessarily have a good pitch for what that would have been. But I feel like that would have helped it just get a better second gear. Right. Um, but I definitely had fun with this one. And it, it like, like you mentioned, like it's very Dan Levy. So of, of course, yes, but and he actually it, has a writing credit on this one. So, Oh, okay. No, that makes sense. It definitely has his voice plastered all over it. Uh, I see why it's cut just for that lack of originality angle. Mm-hmm. Dan Levy's uh, presence is great in any sketch that <laughs> that he's going to be in. So right. that's not a good enough reason to keep it keep it in the lineup. Right. Yeah, I think I think it was probably a fair cut. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's keep going. Kyle just has one quick question for the cast. Do you think I'm a loser? <laughs> uh, how'd you feel about this one? <laughs> uh, this one was especially painful. It's a bit of laughter, a bit of cringe, bit of you know empathy. Mm-hmm. Kyle's insecurities are, you know, they're they're unbearable, but you know, there's some truth to them. There's people that feel this alone and this desperate, and you know, it's it's the whole tragedy plus time thing that makes this funny. I think like a lot of us can look back at times of our lives where we were a little more insecure, and this might be an exaggeration or a magnification of that, but I think it rings mm-hmm. true for a lot of people, and. There were so many great like little background jokes in this. Did you notice the uh, back of the T-shirt, for example? It was like two <laughs> seconds. But uh, yeah. yeah, he had like the fake character names that mm-hmm. he made up himself there next to like Wayne and Garth and all these iconic characters. <laughs> so that was funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this is really fun. My first question, like when I watched it was, where do I get this T-shirt? Like you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> there's a hundred of them they should have sold them uh maybe they did there's always a chance it appears in the nbc store but <laughs> it probably mostly went to cast and crew no ego's um, family got them all oh uh, yeah <laughs> big family uh but uh yeah this was really really good for fans of the show mm. like you and i had had a good time with this and it was you know just goofy and weird and awkward enough 
But I think for the casual SNL viewer, this probably pushed a little too far into the uncomfortable territory. Like this, all of these sketches that Kyle does that are in this like SNL CU are uncomfortable, but this one took it like two steps further. And so I can definitely see why they were like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that the standard Saturday night viewer needs to see this. We'll just upload it to YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This was like you said it in your, in your intro, just a little too Kyle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, (laughs) As much as I love that, I totally get it. Yep. I, I'm i not sure on this because I didn't check the uh, time while I was watching it, but it felt a little long, and I don't mm-hmm. know if, that was, if it was just so uncomfortable that it was like two minutes and felt like <laughs> ten. But yeah, it was it was a little long, and it felt like any cuts would, would hurt it even more. So mm-hmm. yeah, it maybe this is... Four, four minutes, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty long. Yeah, let's let's keep it on YouTube where I can watch it anytime I want. I'm I'm just happy mm-hmm. that it's available. Yeah, I'm I, I'm glad we're living in this era where they can just upload this to YouTube and things that get cut aren't lost forever. Yeah, what a great time to be alive. Yeah, like why even have TV? Let's just have. <laughs> just don't even do the show, guys. It's, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> just post it on YouTube. Like let the tapes run, and then post it later. Yeah, that's what Lauren wants to hear. <laughs> All right, so Kyle and friends, uh, rightfully cut for being too awkward and too uh, specific for fans. Guilty as charged. All right, up next, two easily impressed bachelors get a home makeover. This one was from Nick Jonas. Is this a winner? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they picked up on some things that were really astute, and I've seen it a million times, but just never had the observational skills of some of the people writing on SNL. The 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 white the stark white walls mm-hmm. was uh, a pretty interesting connection to make with with that kind of mentality, that lifestyle. And the 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 just the poster placement, the things they chose to put on that that uh that shelf with the infinity gauntlet and all that. Yep. It was just like, yeah, 40 year old version. And what I liked about it is that, you know, it wasn't the boys themselves settling on this. It was, you know, someone designing it for them. And they basically, uh, they basically achieve what these guys would do on their own with like just a little more panache. Like maybe they gave them a a, a ketchup bottle instead of the packets and and things like Mm -hmm. that. But it's still very, very much like meat and potatoes, man. And uh, yeah, it's, it's that juxtaposition and mix match of like reality television style with something that's just, not very pretty for television and and here you have this <laughs> yeah this this was a good observation you know bachelors live in a way that makes no sense to me like you'll just walk into a man's home and it's like a recliner a television and like a bed and that is the only three things he owns <laughs> i was watching that like why wouldn't you do that that's just <laughs> perfect <laughs> um and you know that's the difference (laughs) (laughs) i'm only gonna have one friend over at time and we're both gonna face the same direction not talk to each other and watch television yeah i mean you are sitting in front of what an 80 inch television right now no i'm at studio 8h sorry 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 i didn't mean to break the illusion (laughs) (laughs) i love it here Uh, as for the as for the sketch i uh i think it was fun that you know any little thing they thought was impressive and i and i just wanted them to go a little further so you know you can't go too over the top because you don't want to actually like trick out the apartment because that kind of breaks the game of the sketch 
But I feel like they could have had like maybe in the bedroom it's like, and we got you a lifetime supply of condoms, and then they open the drawer and there's like three in there, and Kyle's like, Yeah, you know. <laughs> um Well, it's twice as many as I need. Mm-hmm. Or like you know, they put a bunch of empty bottles on top of the cabinets. Like, we, mm-hmm. we got you empty liquor bottles for decor um, to show off how hardcore you are or whatever. Like, I, I just feel like there were some more little things they could have done with it um, that would have heightened more. For sure. I, I expected something of a der- derailment that never came. And mm-hmm. maybe it's just SNL has done that for me many, many times. You know, mm-hmm. this this generally held together. and stayed consistent in tone and intensity so yeah, yeah we could have raised the stakes in some way i'm sure yeah that yeah i think that that's what it was missing yeah um yeah the nick jonas episode was really good so you know i, I think this was a good cut it call yes probably an easier decision that was a good yeah. episode <laughs> all right well let's keep going in this pre-tape nash bravely i mean accidentally volunteers to go on a one-man death mission. Uh, this one is a Chris Red vehicle that was really good from the Daniel Kaluuya episode. Steve, what'd you like about it? I like Chris Red monologues. Mm-hmm. I love this this vehicle, as you call it, that he has uh, for, uh, for his stuff. It's, it's a really great ride, I find. It's... It's very serious and played straight up until they throw in that wrench. And whether it's be whether it be like, you know, the teacher disagreeing with Marcus about his genius status or uh, him coming to realize how complicated uh, drug smuggling is. And, you know, uh, in this case, we have the uh, the one man mission reveal that just changes this on a dime. Like one mm-hmm. second we're watching the five bloods basically. And then all of a sudden we have <laughs> just like a, a, a comedic breakdown of tropes. And it's great. It's great because Chris plays it so well. They had great backup from Keenan there. The, uh, the punchline at the end was great. Really love that. He, the, the commanding officer was willing to take no for an answer the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Lots of stuff to enjoy here. This is probably one of the uh, sketches of these cut for times that we're talking about that could definitely remain in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one is was really good. It was shot really, really well. Like, I don't think like, this definitely wasn't a low budget pre-tape. Um, I mean, I guess they, pr- they probably shot it in the studio, so that helped. But, you know, it was fully dressed and I mean, it looked very, very legit. So huge shout out to whoever directed it. Um Chris did a fabulous job. Uh, just knocked it out of the park. I love it when Chris gets to lead a sketch, like like the one you mentioned with the uh, the drug dealer. <laughs> Chris is really good at these kind of uh, these characters that they don't know what they don't know. Like they, they have no idea how much information they are missing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's such a good, like weird specific that the, Viet- the Vietnamese will try to shoot up your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love yeah, way- I love all the little things they just made they they added in to make this mission as uh as dreadful as possible. Cross meat grinder ravine. That's where that brother got his junk blown off. Yep. Thank you for that. Then you'll make your way to Sniper Ridge. Cool. Now this area right here has no enemy soldiers in it. I like that. Because of the tigers. Never mind. And then 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they found such good things, to, such good little things to pepper in there. I think it was maybe a little bit long, but um, this is this is one that I imagine was a tough cut. Um, the Daniel Kaluuya episode um, was uh, had a lot of highs in it. That was probably one of the more popular ones of the season. So we ended mm-hmm. up getting three cut for time sketches from it. So obviously right. they were really having fun with him and uh, had a hard time letting go of these. Yeah. Like it says something that so much of the stuff that didn't make it to air was still worth putting online. At mm-hmm. least, you know, that yeah. shows that they were just working with a big pot of quality. Right. Yeah. They just had, there was too much good stuff. A great problem to have. Right. <laughs> All right. Up next. The man writing Beanie Baby tag bios is clearly going through something. Sick of being the funny one, always desexualized by friends. Wobble, wobble. There I go to bed again with no nudes. Might as well be dead. Send nude or unfollow. My birthday is June 22nd. And this one, again, from Daniel Kaluuya. And actually, uh, Julio Torres came in to guest write on this one. So what would you think about it? I love that little guy. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, standing in the shadow of toxic in the community. <laughs> that was Sarah Lee. that was the heights I think that we'll reach with this sketch. I, I like the Beanie Buddies angle or Beanie Babies. Sorry, yeah, get it right. <laughs> They're very valuable. The Beaner Bagels. Those are uh, yeah, those are fun, quirky little write ups. I remember reading those, and uh, yeah. They, t- they found something that's very, very wholesome in nature, something that it, it, it in no way welcomes that kind of uh, language or, or, or content. And, and here we are. So right. they found a good vehicle for it, but I think it's always going to feel like a rehash of, of Toxic in the Community. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know if that's a good name for the sketch. It's just the line that stands out for me. Right. But it was still, it was still pretty great. I liked... Uh, 80s little sign off there where she calls the uh the factory to cancel all the beanie babies for some reason <laughs> yeah that was off the rails <laughs> yeah that just the melodrama of that whole uh sequence was pretty out well, of left field kill them <laughs> that is probably them. some if that made it to air i bet you that little bit would have been excised <laughs> don't ask me probably. why i think like if they had to cut a few seconds off it would come from that weird ass ending but I like that it. would that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this absolutely lives in the same universe as like the Sarah Lee sketch, which I which I also think lives in the same universe as like the Barbie Instagram. Oh yes. Um and I love all of these. I think they're so great. They're so uniquely like Julio, uh and you know, Bowen has kind of a similar style too, and you know, wrote on those. Um I just think that it's so fun, even though it's just kind of joke buckety. I always have a good time with it, and because just the nonsense that they come up with is so so great, and like those weird specifics. I these it'll always win for me. I you're right. I don't think it's quite as good as the Sarah Lee one, but um, I'm definitely sad this didn't make it to air. Though I understand because it's it's definitely one of those ones that that my mom probably would be like. That one was weird, you know. <laughs> it's it's not for the average viewer, so so I get it. Um, I'm very grateful that it got to live on on YouTube, though. For sure, absolutely. And uh, I'll just take as much of Daniel Kaluuya hosting as I can get. One of the best yeah. hosts of the of the season. 
All right. Well, we have we have one more cut from the Daniel Kaluuya episode, and this one was actually pitched by Daniel. Salt Bay invited the ladies to spank his meats at this trendy new restaurant. How'd you feel about Salt Bay? Hmm, I'm processing it a little differently now. I didn't know Daniel Kaluuya pitched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great idea. <laughs> I I have had a lot of fun, you know, watching Salt Bay and just giggling at his uh, his aura, how serious he takes himself and and all that like mm-hmm. it's it's a real viral personality like you you can't you can't cast that you can't create that 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 is a dude that's a real person <laughs> uh i love beck's portrayal of him i thought he mm-hmm. just made that facial expression perfectly and i love the choice to keep him a silent character mm-hmm. almost like he was some kind of uh restaurant mascot but right like you would have to take some liberties to start like giving that guy lines. I've never heard the guy talk. He's always just chopping his meat and mm-hmm. putting salt on his forearm. Uh, yeah. So I like that. They just kept to, you know, what you see of him in his, in his YouTube and just like put that weird behavior next to the ones with dialogue and have them just react to it. It's right. uh yeah, it's a Gloria glorified reaction video where instead of just watching the YouTube video and reacting to it, uh, it's there serving you your steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it was a really smart move to have him just be silent and play into the mysteriousness of salt Bay. Yeah. So that's sort of the best thing he has going for him. Um, just imagine he I, came I, out like I am salt Bay. Oh, and like started to do this husky voice thing. Yeah. Like that, that wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. Like <laughs> no. it's, it's like, I believe Daniel's character said like, I'm getting magician vibes from him. <laughs> That was perfect. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that's it. <laughs> but I love how into it everyone else is. Like they they have seeked out Salt Bay. Yeah. Uh that that's really fun. And then, you know, it heightened so perfectly to Cecily spread eagle on the table getting oh salted. My I mean God. what more could you ask for in a sketch? Like there's no crazier place to go than that. I don't know how you even come up with that. Um. Cecily has been the camera angle queen this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barflies, yeah, uh, the Barflies Awards, where she walks directly she just walks to the camera. To it, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's really given up herself this season for for <laughs> physical comedy, uh, whether it be mm-hmm. bathing in wine or salting your nether parts, whatever, right, whatever yeah. that may be. Yes, yeah, so Cecily could be a contender for MVP of the season for yes. sure. So we should talk about the very organic uh, uh, reveal of David Beckham in the in the <laughs> restaurant. That yeah. was a uh, yeah, very obvious choice to make in that moment. I think. Mm-hmm. What am I missing here, Catherine? I um, I don't know that there is any that it's in reference to anything other than just like, of course, those two would be there. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Uh, I think it's just like they do weird things and would be at this trendy restaurant, but they wouldn't participate. Like they're too fancy for that. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think it's just it gets to the point in the sketch where you say, okay, what, where to go now? Who else would be at this restaurant? And then they came up with those celebrities. <laughs> yeah, that was a head scratcher, but uh, yeah, it's probably all I, it is. I I enjoyed the 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 unexpected appearance there because um I I was on board with it. I was like. Of course, yes, I like this. But um, 
let's look at this first one from the Keegan-Michael Key episode. This rapper has something to say, and it's that he's sorry. Very, um, the gentler side of rap diss tracks. <laughs> What'd you think about it? That was pretty good. Wasn't my favorite, uh, but, you know, there's there's some stuff to like here. The, uh, the, the whole reveal of the I'm sorry bit, that was good. And they managed to go other places with it uh, as as quickly as you think that might run out of steam. You know, they put in a really compelling subplot with the the baby mama and, you know, kind of stepping in as a stepdad and the details of, of what he told the police kept keeps developing. There's, there's, <laughs> there's stuff to like pay attention to. And, and it was quite entertaining to, to go along with it. It was really performance based. So, you know, Keegan really had to, I don't know. It was, it was selling it, but also not selling it. Cause mm-hmm. obviously a gangster rapper is never going to apologize like this on a diss track. So like, what does that look like? Uh, I think, I think he got something that, that works pretty well. Cause mm-hmm. like, I still believed him, but yeah, I was still able to laugh at, at just the absurdity of someone like this apologizing and, and taking that moment to just, yeah, just do the opposite yeah. of what these guys usually do. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a, a different host pulling this off like Keegan did. Yeah. Um, it was definitely for him. Uh, interesting, you you said that you you didn't like like this one as much. I this is a contender for one of my favorites. Um, I thought there was a lot to like here. Um, I was surprised. I thought, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sure what way it was going to go. You know, was he... Because there's there's a lot of setup here, so you can tell there, there there's going to be a turn. And I was like, is it going to be that he's a really bad rapper? Uh, you know, is it going to be like he does disses, but like they're not really disses? Like maybe he's like they're like backhanded compliments or something. <laughs> um, but then he said, "I'm sorry," and I was like, "Oh, I didn't see that coming. That's really fun." And then you know they move. The next move is like he's at Walmart buying a flat screen TV, just like living his normal life. Like I like that they just normalize. Like he's this gangster rapper, but he's like, I had to leave my cart in the parking lot. <laughs> like <laughs> I think that's really fun. And then then they started piling on to Chris's character, like the bad the bad guy in the sketch of like, yep, and I'm with your baby mama, and I told the police, and your kid called me dad, and I didn't correct him. Like I. Th- I thought there was such good stuff here and just layering that story together slowly. I was having a great time with this one. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not to say that I, I didn't either. <laughs> There's just a couple others that maybe slipped ahead. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, if, if we're looking at it solely merit based, I think, I think this one maybe should have stayed in the episode. Uh, I understand, you know, obviously there's more to it than that as far as the literal timeline of the show, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sad this one wasn't in the cut. I think I think there were there were some ones in that episode that I liked less than this for sure. Okay. Okay. For real. Eh? take maybe. I don't know. For real. Let's talk about the other Keegan-Michael Key cut. Two men compete for women's affection by sending strange gifts from the bar. This one was bizarre. What'd you think? Bizarre indeed. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, it, it, the the design of these weirdo characters, it was, it felt very original, but not random. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could actually meet a guy like that if I, yeah. if I walked into enough strange places, I'd, I'd probably you walk in the right bar. Yeah. You'll stumble upon this guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
the the fur jackets, the long hair, the uh, the the odd behavior. Now let's talk about that because the uh, the behavior of these characters and how it escalates throughout the sketch. I think that's what the real magic here is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, leading up to stuff like the the fake makeout, but he's not turned around. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, lots of great stuff here. I was kind of getting mad at the wait staff for enabling these guys and just bringing over whatever uh, these guys wanted them to. Like at no point they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. As, as a, as a guy who worked in the restaurant industry for years, I think it's uh, <laughs> too yeah, far fetched to me to see, cause I would never do that. Like, I, I enjoyed got a real that job the waiters here. were like weirdly on, like weirdly down for it. You know, they were like speaking for them, like oh, and like narrating what they were doing. Like I thought that was just like weirdly funny. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I'll give you. But, I'll give it that. Yeah, like I, these characters seem like like well fleshed out. They thought about these guys. I mean, you know, of he of course like he brought oysters from home you know that just that just feels so right for this character um and and i thought that was just such a great little thing to just really tell us who this guy is um and then like the progression of it like you said is just so clear um and they found such good places to go so like you know it takes a minute before we see that there's a second guy and i'm like oh yes of course there's a second guy uh and then they're competing and then they have a knife fight um right. Dismuke's character must die. Uh, <laughs> um, See, so yeah, I had I had fun with this, but I didn't think it was fabulous. Uh, so it's a fair cut in my fair book. cut. And who would have known that Bowen would, uh, you know, carve out such a niche playing crazy hobos on the show? Like that was not <laughs> something I thought he'd be feeling when I learned of his his casting. Yeah, but hey, I'm true. here for it. All right, up next. The cast pitches Anya Taylor-Joy their worst ideas for Queen's Gambit parodies. Uh, if I remember correctly, Steve, you have not seen the Queen's Gambit. Is that correct? No, but I'm definitely going to be tuned into the next season <laughs> after this did you, sneak peek. Did you know en- enough about it to see, like, to like get the sketch, like the joke of it? Well, I feel I've seen enough Mr. Bean to to recognize <laughs> Mr. Bean when he Fair appears, enough. but. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess like I've seen trailers and like that, that style of it is very, uh, very recognizable. So mm-hmm. I could tell that they were nailing the, the visual aspects. Uh, the, uh, you know, obviously they had Anya Taylor joy. So, you know, the dialogue, the, uh, all of that was there mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. I, I'm just glad that SNL can do a sketch like this because what it means is that, they rarely uh, try to push something that just isn't uh, isn't a good idea. They mm-hmm. don't try to stuff things in a box. If they can make something work, they'll make it work. But like, if SNL were was always reaching like this and trying to just like do a parody for the sake of parody, we'd probably watch the sketch and be like, "You guys aren't very self aware." <laughs> but I feel like SNL doesn't have that problem. So like they've earned their right to make a sketch like this where they kind of poke fun at them at, at writing and it's perceived as a, as a slay at themselves. But I don't think they make sketches like that. This sketch confirms me that they know what to avoid. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. I, I wonder how much of it was like 
uh, inspired by maybe they did sit down to try to come up with a Queen's Gambit parody. All their ideas were terrible. So they're like, let's just go metal with it, you know? <laughs> like, I've definitely been on, uh, like, on my sketch team where someone pitches something, they realize there's no way it'll work, and then it just becomes this meta joke that we could write a sketch that is the pitch meeting, you know? Right. Um, so I, I'm intrigued to know uh, how based in reality this is. But I think it's super fun. You know, we, we all expect the Queen's Gambit parody, uh, and we ended up kind of, we got a little bit of it in her monologue, um, but, you know, this was clearly meant to fill that niche. And I think it's there's something really fun about hearing the bad idea, knowing that's a bad idea, but then getting to see like five seconds of it. Oh, yeah. How it would turn out. I think that's so great. And I love that they spent they spent the money and the time and everything to produce those little clips. Yeah. Because that that's definitely what sold it. You know, 80 with the chess piece was my favorite one. But that. I just love that they that they did that. That was fabulous. To oh see yeah! Those. Imagine if they were shooting that on location and you just walked by, <laughs> sought out of context, <laughs> just Mister Bean playing against uh, uh, the the Queen's Gambit lady. You're like, wow, SNL's really <laughs> jumped the shark. If this is what they're going for, <laughs> but then you see it's meant to be a bad idea, right? <laughs> but you still got to show up in costume with the sets and film yes, it as do. if that was like your genuine idea for a sketch. <laughs> yeah i thought this one was really fun um and i i think they i think they should have kept it I, I wish they would have kept it yeah maybe yeah if if for nothing else the fact that i do i i i wasn't um satisfied with just the queen's gambit reference in the monologue i wanted i wanted more of a queen's gambit parody um okay. so may, may, you know, maybe that's maybe that's on me maybe that's a me problem and not an snl problem for but me, I was I happy to just this. get that as the reference because having not seen That's it, I was true. like, yeah. please don't challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And it was also, I mean, that was that was a good episode with with good energy to it. So I could see where, you know, another pre-tape could have messed up the flow of the show. Another host I'd like to see again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have one more cut Eight. for time from her. Two duos perform on star quality. And I wrote it out like I was going to sing it. And then I forgot how the song went in the sketch. <laughs> uh, so here we are. What'd you think of this one? Yeah, this seems like a, uh, a 10 to 1 type of sketch. I don't know if it uh, really did it for me, but there were some very strange, weird moments. Uh, I probably liked 80s performance towards the doll the best. <laughs> and uh, there was kind of a, a face off or a, a reaction off, if you will, between Keenan and that doll where they were cutting from his face yeah. directly to the doll, <laughs> you know, for something they, they, they uh, lean on a lot with the, the Keenan reaction, having mm -hmm. that intercut with uh, yeah. another <laughs> extreme close up was uh, it was a pretty good use of it. But yeah, it was, it was just strange. Like they just, it didn't seem really tied together all that well. Like it was, it was just a couple of different elements. Mm -hmm. uh, felt like, you know, we need something to fill this two minutes. We need something <laughs> to fill this two minutes. Let's, let's just come up with something random and move on. Yeah. It so, felt weird. There wasn't a third duo. I didn't want to watch a third duo, but it seemed weird that there wasn't one. Yeah. <laughs> Bowen probably had the best line with, and I'm on her level. <laughs> Yeah, yes. that was great. Yeah, this one, this was 
fun. Definitely 10 to 1 territory. Um, but I, I think part of the issue is you can kind of boil the whole game down to people in talent show are weird and bad. Like there's, there's not something very specific about it that they're playing with. Um, I think that probably would have helped it uh, get along. Uh, Cause while like Kate and eighties thing was, was good. Like, like you said, there's just no connection to the next one. There's no real ending here. Um, yeah, yeah. It's definitely missing something. And I actually liked, I liked Bowen and Anya's thing the best, which is surprising for me to say, because <laughs> you know how I love Kate and 80 together. But yeah. I mean, they're, they're like Bowen and Anya had like the choreography. Um, and that was really fun. It reminded me a little bit of Bowen in the USO show from the Kristen Wiig episode. Ah, But um, yeah, missing something on this one. Didn't love it. Yeah. No, that, not the heights of the season. Yeah. A, a good cut. A good, sure. good choice there. Good choice. Okay. Well, that is the last of our cut for time ones. So now we have to determine which one is the best of the rest. We'll talk about just just the best of these nine, and then we'll uh, do an overall season best of the rest. So, okay. Steve, what's your favorite of these? I'm going to be going with the hero. I think that sketch was probably the best out of this list, I'd say. It was uh, really funny, first of all, but the production quality and, and, and uh, you know, really nailing that aesthetic of the five bloods was uh, really mm-hmm. impressive. And uh, like I said, you know, Chris Red's performance was great. I- I'm looking forward. It's going to be bittersweet when Chris leaves the show because oh, yeah. we'll soon uh, after probably get a, uh, a a Chris Red hosted episode. Uh-huh. And we can get like That's a whole true. episode of stuff like this. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be a happy camper. Yeah. I mean, the guy works really hard. Like he's always got side projects going. So there's no way. He'll leave SNL and then not immediately have something to promote. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going to have to drop dead for that to mm-hmm. not happen. And uh, Chris Red's a young, healthy man. He ain't going anywhere. All right. The hero was very well produced. That was a very solid sketch. Well, yes. I'm going to go with a different one from the Daniel Kaluuya episode. And it is the Beanie Babies. Okay. I just have such a good time with these. I think they're so fun. Uh, just tapping into that that kind of language and like the uh you know the community the community and like because people talk like this on instagram and twitter sometimes and it doesn't make any sense to me so i I just love that they're able to use that so effectively um and yeah i've just they really cracks me up um and these these are ones that are very up the alley of my friends as well so like you know it's very quotable like in my friend group so that you know that adds to it as well no that's yeah that's a good choice you got good reasons Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I feel validated. <laughs> so from the the first half of the season that John and I reviewed, uh, we determined the best of the rest of those. And I think there were only four or five of them. But John picked Middle-Aged Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And I picked Democracy PSA, uh, which was it was one. It was right before the election. I think it was cut from the Mulaney episode. Um it was about like, yeah, democracy is going to be okay, but everyone was like secretly stockpiling things because they knew that it wouldn't be. <laughs> um, and then Middle Age Mutant Ninja Turtles, of course, was the second installment of of that uh, cartoon that we first saw in, at SNL at home. So with those two, plus the hero and Beanie Babies, 
what would you say overall for season 46 was the best of the rest? You know, I think I have to stay where I'm at. I really Fair enjoyed enough. teenage. Oh, they're not teenage. What am I saying? Oh, yeah, they're middle-aged. Sorry. The middle-aged Mutant Ninja Turtles. I enjoyed that a lot. It was a great second episode. Uh, it was a great way to expand on the idea. I like what they did mm-hmm. for the second time around. It had legs for that. I I just really enjoyed the uh, the the hero sketch. I thought it was really well done. Plus, it's more of a an SNL collaboration. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, an animation. Like, there's a lot of freelance work being done on that. I would guess. Right. Like, there's people Probably. that don't necessarily work on the show that are animating this. And sure, it's our it's our cast members who are doing the voices, but it it feels a little bit removed from the show, mm-hmm. just like uh, TV Funhouse. You know, they'd literally like rip SNL off of the screen, and Lauren Michaels would rep, run after the dog. This this feels like that level of of distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah, not yeah. It, it's a lovable, wonderful sketch, but I don't think yeah, I don't think it would change my. My top one. Fair enough. I'm I'm really torn. Uh, you know, ov- obviously it's between my two picks because <laughs> I right. picked them. Uh, but well, you just let us know, Natalie and Brulia, when <laughs> when you have it figured out. Uh, I I like Beanie's Babies for the sake that it is uh more timeless than the Democracy PSA, but at the same time, I like the Democracy PSA because it captured so perfectly what we were going through in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was really, really fun and really clever. The, the turns they took with it and the subtleties involved. So I think I'm going to go with democracy PSA. Uh, beanie babies is one I'll probably watch more often, but I just think the democracy one did such a good job. And I was, I was very disappointed that one was cut from the show. I remember watching it the next day and saying that should have been in there. That was better than most of the show. Um, I felt frustrated about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just spoke so clearly to that moment in time. And that's one of the things that we kind of look for SNL to do, right? You know, it's a topical show that they're writing every week. So it, it, it has the unique chance to be able to comment on these things as they happen. Um, so yeah, democracy PSA is my best of the rest. It was a good choice. Then it remains a good choice. So thank you. Thank you. I salute you and respect your wishes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we have now officially reviewed every sketch released mm. and produced for season 46. How you feel about it? You tired? I'm ready for another season. <laughs> always, do we really always. have to wait all summer? Yeah, we do. I just finished the, the second draft of my SNL submission packet. So I'm happy to like go into tomorrow, like not thinking about sketch for a week. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I like send it off to people. I'm like, give me your notes, and I don't have to worry about it for a few days. <laughs> so, I'm I'm thrilled for a, a, a little bit of a break. Oh, you've deserved it. You've been working hard. Yeah, thank you. But it's been great to discuss all of these sketches with you, Steve, and all of the guests that we've had on the show. And for this episode of this cut for time review, I think that's a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. 
If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back next week with our postseason extravaganza. But until then, this has been episode number 139 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it.